Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. When Jesus heard it, when Jesus heard about the beheading of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Verse 17, Matthew chapter 14. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the fish and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed, and he broke and, broke, and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they looked, took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Verse 21. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So we know this well-known story of Jesus multiplying five loaves and two fish to the multitude. This morning I would like to title my sermon as Bring Them to Me. Can you say that with me? Bring them to me once again bring them to me it's a very well-known story i don't need to really narrate the story again or describe the story again the moment the disciples said we have only five loaves and two fish the lord said what what did the lord say bring them to me can i get all of your attention please bring them to me. Can you say that again? Bring them to me. You know, if you are taking notes, please go ahead and do it now, okay? So we last couple of sermons, you know, we are unable to take notes. And now, now onwards, you can start doing it. So the moment disciples said that we have five loaves and two fish, Jesus said, bring them to me. You know, Jesus is a God. He's, a, he's a almighty. He could have created something out of nothing. He could have created whatever he wanted from nothing. In Romans 4, 17, Bible says, our God is the one who gives life and he calls those things which are not existing as though they are existing. He is a miracle working God. He could have just called and he said, multiply whatever we have or whatever don't, we don't have. Multiply things would have come into existence. But you know, such a God Almighty, was eagerly waiting for the moment that someone says, the Lord, here I am. And having those things in their hands, ready to give to the Lord. Can you all just look at me? 
Can you all just look at me? I want your attention this morning. I want you to receive from me. It requires you to follow me. It requires you to know me and to, and to, and to look at me. And otherwise, I lose eye contact. I have eye contact with every one of you. Right? I have eye contact with every one of you. So I want you to pay your attention to me because there is something which is important this morning I want to tell you. And that's going to change your life. And this morning, God wants you to listen to that. So Jesus was eagerly waiting for that moment that somebody will come forward and say that, Lord, this is what I have. All that what I have is in my hands. And I want to give that to you. He's such an almighty God. You know, this little boy, he could have just kept what he was having just within himself. Or he could have just refused to give. Somehow he came forward or the disciples identified him and they just got this little boy and they found what he had. And I'm sure his mom would have packed those stuff for him to have lunch. And probably he did not, he couldn't have lunch because, you know, he was busy listening to Jesus and seeing the way God was healing and miracles were taking place there. Those five loaves and fish were not of any use until they were given to Jesus. You know, this morning, God wants us to know until we give those little things that we have in our lives to Jesus, they are not of, not of no use to us. It may be our talents. It may be our abilities. It may be little money that we have. It may be our children. It may be our family. It may be uh, the knowledge that we have in the word of God. Or it may be a little time that you have every day after coming from work. Or it may be the weekends or the day offs that you have in your life. Whatever you may have in your hands. Unless we give that to the Lord, it's not going to multiply. And we don't see any blessing out of those things in our lives. There are three principles that we are learning from this story. Just want to have the next slide here. So there are three principles as they are listed right now. Can you read that with me? No? Out loud. Can you read that with me, please? All of you. Out loud. Still louder. No better time than the present. Something is better than Nothing. Better to give than to keep. Can you read that again? And then I'm going to ask one of you to say that. Now, sorry, no better time than present. Something is better than nothing. Better to give than to keep. Principle number one. It says no better time than the present. No better time than the present. When it comes about doing something good, eh, God wants us to know that if there is something that is good for you and good for your family and good for your future, there is no better time than when? Now or present. You know, Jesus was not in a better situation at all. Jesus just heard that John the Baptist was beheaded. You know, all, you all know John the Baptist, right? Yes? Okay. So I just want to make sure. So we all know John the Baptist. He was a forerunner of Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment he heard that John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus in his humanity, he was so dull, he was so desperate, he was so discouraged. Why this would have happened to John the Baptist? And you know, as often we do, he wanted to take off and go to a lonely place. You know, that's what we do, right? When we are sad, when we are not feeling good, what do we do? 
We go somewhere and isolate ourselves, close ourselves, and shut the door. <clears throat> and even the door is knocked. Come on, it's time for lunch. No, don't want lunch. Somebody's laughing. Come on, it's time for dinner. Nobody wants. You know, usually moms, they do, right? So mom come and knock the door, and there is no voice. Why? I don't feel like eating. Are you fasting? No, I'm not fasting. But I'm not eating. Why? I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. I'm upset. I'm not willing to tell you why, but I don't want. You know, that's the same situation Jesus was in on the day. He did not really care about anything. Let, let, let them, you take care of yourself. I'm just going. I'm going. I'm going to your desert place, a deserted place. He was not in a better situation. And he wanted to go and hide himself. You know, when life issues are over, overwhelming in our lives, that's what we tend to do. We tend to isolate ourselves. Jesus wanted to do that. But when he was about to isolate himself, when he go to the desert place, he saw many people coming over there in barefoot, walking all the way from the villages, coming to Jesus. And he also saw they were carrying the sick. They were carrying the demon possessed, bringing everybody to Jesus, thinking that Jesus is going to heal them. But Jesus is not in that mood now. What can we do? You know, sometimes that's what happens when we are not in the right mood, when our children come on the way and they want something to be done through us. They know what to expect from us, right? When we are not in the right mood. And we know when to ask, when not to ask. Jesus was not in a good mood at all, but then you know, when all these people coming to Jesus with a great expectation of receiving something, Jesus just pushed us into immediate comfort. Jesus pushed, pushed his immediate plan and he started ministering to people. He started healing the sick. He started doing, telling about the kingdom of God. You know, he could have spent his time all alone at the end of the day, at that moment. There is a valid reason for him to do it, but he did not do it because he did not want to miss the opportunity of people coming to him. You know, this morning, I believe God is telling us, at times, even though, you know, we are going through difficulties in our lives, God is taking you to a mature path, to a mature level that you will always continue to serve God. You know, at times it becomes difficult and it becomes tough. That's what we do. We don't come to church. Why we don't come to church? We don't feel like coming to church because things are not happening well. But God is taking you to a mature level as Jesus is right now and he's asking us, look what Jesus is doing in that moment. And God wants us to know that now is the best time in our lives. This morning I want to ask a question to you. What are we waiting for? Are we expecting a better day? We hope the better day comes in our lives. But are we really expecting a better day to come in our lives? Who knows what comes on our way? Who knows what is ahead of us? We do not know. So now is the best time. The time that we have in our hands is the best time that God has given to you and to me. I don't know how many years that are ahead of me. This week I turned to 54. Yes. How many days we have in front of us? 
How many months we have ahead of us? Nobody knows. But the time that God has given to us on the face of this earth, God has given us for a purpose. I don't know whether you do this, but then I do this. I'm not sure whether it's the right practice for, you to, for me to tell you right now what I do, but I still want to tell you. I love watching funeral services. Any of you do that? Thank you, thank you. I love watching funeral services, especially now that it's all available in YouTube. Girls and boys die at the very young age, just married, few years, have two little children. Both of them died due to COVID or accidents, many things. I love the moment, I love the moment, you know, they are asked, especially the wife died, the husband is asked to put the final cover on the face of his wife. I love watching that moment. I love watching the reaction that's happening there. If you keep watching that, you will start loving your spouse. You will start loving your children. You'll realize how precious they are when they are next to you, when they are around you. And that moment is a moment of separation when somebody is about to leave. And you will not see that face again unless you have hope to see her or him in heaven. That moment is so precious. Every minute, every moment that we have on the face of this earth, is precious this morning. I pray that you would bring that in your hearts this morning. God cannot do a magic unless we realize that how precious each moment and each day in our life is. When Jesus spoke to the disciples in John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus was telling, look at the field. The field is already wait for the harvest. The field is ready for the harvest. And the disciples were telling, this is what the answer they got. Jesus got from the disciples. Can you read that with me? Do not, do you not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already wait for the harvest. No better time than the present. Now is the time for you and me to do everything that God wants us to do on the face of this earth. There are things that we may, they may be delaying in our lives. We may be delaying certain things, thinking that I can do this in a better time. I'm here to tell you that better time is not there for you and for me. This morning, God wants us to know, now is the best time in your life. Whatever you are planning to do, just do it now. Any good thing that you are planning concerning your future, concerning your career, concerning the kingdom work, do not tell me that you are waiting on the Lord and praying about it. How long you want to wait and pray about it? Your life will come to an end before you get an answer. Start doing things for God. If that is from God, it will materialize. If it will not from God, it won't happen. You are not going to lose anything anyway. God wants you to do it. If Jesus would have thought that he can hold from serving people, nobody would have received the healing on that day. He would not have seen the miracle that people saw and witnessed. And today we read about it. Five loaves and two fish. God multiplied to multitudes, 5,000 men and women and children. How this could have happened in the life of Jesus? He considered the present is the best time in his life. 
This morning I want you to know that the current time, the current situation, current setup that you are living, that is the best time in your life. Do not wait for another one. Principle number two. Just before we go there, there's an action that is needed right now from all of us. You can put the next slide. That action, I believe, it says, are you willing to act? Act? Read that. Act? Do we, don't we get that in the screen? Are you willing to? We don't have that in the screen. Are you willing to act now? Can you read that again? Are you willing to act now? When do we need to act? Now. There is no other time which is better than now. God wants us to act now. I don't know what you are thinking and what, 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 what is going on in your mind that you may be planning to do something that God may be speaking about that in your life. But you want to do it now because there is no other time that is better than now. Principle number two, something is better than nothing. Disciples said to Jesus, we have five loaves and two fish. <laughs> Great thing. We have 5,000 people there. <laughs> what they have come with? Five loaves and two fish. If I'm there, I would have, what, what I would have done? I would have said, Get away, go away. We are talking about feeding how many people? 5,000 and plus. We don't know, 6,000 or 7,000. Let's assume that it's going to be more than 10,000 men and women and children. And you are coming here with me with what? Five loaves and two fish. You know, there is a truth there. The truth is nobody had anything that is sufficient to feed 5,000 men, women, and children. But for multiplication to take place, these five fish, sorry, five loaves and two fish are more than enough. Are you with me this morning? For multiplication to take place, these five loaves and two fish are more than enough. So something is better than nothing. You know, no one has, no one has everything that we need today to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. None of us have everything with us ready. The question is, don't we have something in our hands? Don't we have something little in our hands? You know, God has given you something in your hands. Many times we don't really realize that unless somebody tells you. God has given you a job. God has given you a house. God has given you a family. As I said, God has given you a little spare time after work. God has given you a couple of off days during the week, the weekends. God has blessed you with good children. Thank God they are not having Down syndrome or they are not having any disability in their lives. God has blessed you with a good husband and good wife. God has given you good health. We have many things in our, at our disposal. We have many things in our hands. What are we doing with those things? Something is better than nothing. We may not have everything that we need, but we have something. Nobody in that crowd had everything that they needed to feed 5,000. No, 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 no. Nobody had that, but there was somebody had something. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we read an amazing story of a widow who was in great debt. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2. And those who lent money to her husband and to this family 
They came to take the children as slaves. And this poor woman, this poor widow is crying. And she met the man of God, Elijah. And Elijah came to this house. And this is a question Elijah asked. Can you read that with me? What shall I do for you? Tell me. And what did he ask? Tell me. What do you have in this house? They were living in debt. And the man of God came and asked this question to that woman. What do you? It's totally irrelevant question. That's what it looks like. It's not the right question to ask somebody who's not having anything, who's about to lose even their own life, their children. And this man of God came there and asked, what shall I do for you? And what do we have in your house? And what did she say? Can you read that with me? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Nothing in the house but a jar of oil. You know, this morning I want you to write down those who are taking your notes. What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your life? What do you have that God has given you with? And that jar of oil was multiplied. He asked her to go and get vessels, empty vessels. As long as she could bring empty vessels, the oil was poured and it never stopped. You know, this morning, this is a question that God is asking you. What is the jar that you have? What is the jar of oil that you have in your life? What do you have? You remember, God looked at the hands of Moses on the day. Poor man, 40 years in the wilderness. What can you expect in the hand of Moses? He asked the same questions to Moses. What is that in your hand? Can you imagine our God? You know, I'm really excited this morning to tell you this. Can you imagine our God, the way our God works? He looked at Moses and he asked him, Moses, what do you have in your hand? What a question to ask to such a shepherd man in the world of wilderness, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and had nothing in his hand. All that he had in his hand was a rod, a shepherd's rod. And Moses said, Lord, that's what I have. I don't have anything else. I have shepherd's rod. And I want you to just go back and see, flashback and think back and see. God used the rod to convince Pharaoh. Because when he cast the rod down on the, on the ground, that turned into serpent. It all happened from something which is simple that Moses was holding in his hands. You know, this morning, this is, there is a lesson that God is trying to teach us. Here, when he struck the water of the river, it turned into blood. When he stretched the rod over the river and probed, on ponds, frogs came out of the ponds and rivers. When he used the rod and when he lifted the rod to the heaven, you know, uh, hail, hail started falling, heaven started raining hail on the ground. When he struck the dust of the earth, lice came out of the dust. And God asked him to stretch the rod over the sea, Red Sea. And you know the story, the Red Sea parted. All that started from what he had in his hand. It doesn't matter what you have in your life, but the question that God is asking you this morning is what do you have? What do you have in your hand? You know, when it comes to something good for our future, when it comes to pursuing our goals for the future, running after following up our visions for the future, finding a deeper sense of the purpose that God has given to us on the face of this earth, doing something by taking something that little that we have in our hands to do something better for the future. 
In this morning, God is speaking to you. We are not doing anything to improve our life. We are not doing anything to improve our career. You know, we all have a feeling that it's all done. It's all done. We get easily saturated. We come to a level and say that, okay, it's all done now. This is good, and this space for my retirement, I'm well taken care. Listen to me this morning. We don't do anything to improve our financial status. We don't do anything towards settlement, better settlement. We don't try to do anything towards our children. This morning, God is asking you, what do you have in your hands? Can you do something about it? Maybe your talents, maybe your skills, maybe your abilities, maybe your time and the effort that you can spend. What are we going to do? There's an action question here. Or there's an action here for all of us. Find that something in you and start doing something about it. Find that something that is in you and start doing something about it. Principle number three. We want to spend a good amount of time here. Principle number three. Better to give than to keep. Can we all read that together? Better to give than to keep. I want you to imagine the situation there. The boy had phylos and two fish. The boy gave that to whom? To them? Help me, help me here. To the disciples. And what did the disciples do? They took that and they went and gave it to whom? To Jesus. And what Jesus did? He blessed it and he gave it to whom again? To the disciples. And what the disciples did? Gave it to the people. You know what, how it works? It's amazing. The boy gave what he had to the disciples. Disciples took that and gave it to Jesus. Jesus blessed that and gave it back to the disciples. And disciples brought it again, gave it to the people. Better to give than to keep. Think in the chain, if somebody would have kept it without giving, it would not have worked. They were all giving. They were all giving. You know, you are giving. Our giving today influences people around us. Our giving today influences people who are far from our place. Our influence today, people, uh, our influence, our, our giving today influences people who are living with us. It also influences people of the next generation and the generation which are about to come. You know, this morning I believe God is a God who wants to, wants to prosper you. God is a God who wants to lift you up. God doesn't want you to continue in the same way, same situation. God wants to help you to come up in your life. There are three things that you want to talk about and before we pray. Number one, giving. Giving to others. Can you say giving to others? The investment that we make in the lives of others. The lunch was given to the boy on the day by boy's mom for him to eat. Not to give. But there was something that was motivating within this boy to give. I don't know what it is. Think about your own children. If that was given to your own children's hand, probably they are not going to give. Right, brother? Yeah, so that's what he says. <laughs> right? But something in his heart motivated. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's an emotional connection with others. Seeing others not having anything. He couldn't even think that what I'm going to do with this phylos and two fish, but then I want to give whatever I have. Just a little boy, right? Probably there is a desire within him to see others blessed. 
There is a desire inside of him to see people being blessed. I don't know. Maybe it could have been just because it's asked. Disciple asked and he gave it. He was such a nice boy, he doesn't refuse and he just gives always. It could have been, you know, maybe an expectation just, he has seen all the miracles that are taking place. Probably he would have realized, I don't know. If I give this to Jesus, he's going to perform some miracle. I don't know what his understanding is. Whatever it may be, instead of keeping, he just gave it. You know, I remember uh, my younger brother, in his school days, he had one friend who was coming from a very poor family. <coughs> he had no proper uniform to wear. The one he had was fully damaged. And my brother, being a friend to him in his school, he was just noticing this. And suddenly one day when my mom was doing laundry, one pair of uniform was missing. And then my mom was trying to find out where the pair of uniform missing and he, she tried to find everywhere in, his, in the house. She couldn't find and she finally called him and asked him, one pair of uniform is missing, where is that? And my brother told, I gave it to my friend. Because he had no proper uniform, but I have more than one and I don't need that. Now that just made me to think, this is a little boy, he has a little bit of it, and he was not sure what he can do with this. He, doesn't want to, he didn't want to eat in front of everybody. He just gave it off. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul says, can you read that with me? And remember, he remembered the words of Lord Jesus that Jesus said, what did Jesus say? It is more, can you read that with me? If he's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, God wants you, to wants you to be blessed. God wants you to, you know, wants you to give. I remember in my life, there was a time, point of time, you know, I used to borrow from people, but God has blessed me now to give. Can I hear the testimony from you and from your family that God has blessed me to give? Jesus said, verse, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 30, give to everyone who asks of you. It's tough. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. I mean, it's true for believers. It's true for you and for me. It's true for New Testament believers like us. Can you read that again? Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Why Jesus is saying? Because you have more than enough. You don't need that in your house. You don't need two refrigerators. Who will keep two refrigerators in your house? Who will keep two gas stoves in your house? Nobody. We need only a limited stuff in our house. We don't need the rest of it. What are we keeping them for? Jesus is saying, give to everyone who asks. You know, I had a problem in my days, in earlier days. I used to... I, I used to give people. People used to borrow me money from me. And there are a couple of instances, you know, they don't really bother to return it. I'm sure you would have gone through that experience, similar experience. People borrow money from you with an assurance that they will return it back, but they don't give it back. What do we do? Just leave it. Nothing you can do. Just leave it. Give it to the hands of God. That God may teach them, God may give them. When they have plenty, they, don't want, they won't do this. But give, 
If somebody wants something from you, give. What are we holding for? You know, this morning I pray that God may give us that grace. Give, give to others, those who are in need. Number two, it's better to give than to keep. Number two, give to God. I want to talk a little bit about it and move to the, further, the third one. The investment that we make, not only in, life, in the lives of others, but in the kingdom of God. You know, I want to read this scripture for you, beautiful scripture. The principle we are talking about here is better to give than to keep. Can you read the scripture with me? First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Paul is admonishing people of God to do this. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. Can you read this slowly? Command, can you read it with me? Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to be proud, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Let them not teach them so that they may not trust in the riches, but they may trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. How do we do it? By giving to God. How can you get a grip over your eternal life? By giving to the work of God. How can you make sure that eternity is for you? By giving, by investing in the work of God. Martin Luther once said, this is what he said, I have tried, can you read with me, that may help you. I have tried to keep things in my hands and lost them all. But what I have given into God's hands, I still possess. The more we keep in our hands, we lose. We don't know how it goes, but it goes. It gets away. We just get spend it. But he says, the more I give it in the hands of God, I still own them. I still possess them. We all know craft cheese. The owner of the craft cheese, J.L. Craft. He had a major corporation and he was giving 25% of his income, his wealth, to the work of God. Listen to me. And he says, and this is what he says, if you can read that, read that with me. The only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividend is the money I have given to the Lord. Can you read that again? The only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to God. 25% of his, 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 his income, his profit, went to the work of God. One more example I just want to give you. Rockefeller, we all know that he's a wealthy American man. And this is what he says, I never, can you read that with me? I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.5 per week. The principle that he brought in his life to invest in the kingdom of God. You know, that brought them up in their lives. I'm not saying that you do it to, to, you know, become a millionaire. I'm just asking you to do it out of a good heart because as, as Paul was writing to Timothy, when we give, when we invest in the kingdom of God, we get a hold on eternity. We get a hold on the days which are to come in our lives. Finally, it's better to give than to keep. The number three, give to yourself. I want to talk a little bit about it and then we are going to pray it. Give to yourself. You can imagine when human being is not fed, what will happen continuously? If you don't give any food to anybody, what will happen? 
he or she will die. If we don't feed, there is a death. Think about an automotive. Think about an automotive or, or, or a vehicle or an, or an engine. If the fuel is not fed, if fuel is not poured, it ceases to work. It's not going to work at all. When a computer is not given proper inputs, it's not going to work. The program is not going to work. In the same way, you and I are so busy in this world. If we are not feeding ourselves, we will die soon. If we are not feeding ourselves, we will die soon. I don't know what sense it makes to you, but just follow with me. We die spiritually. We die financially. We die emotionally. We die intellectually. If we don't feed ourselves constantly. The investment that I'm talking about this morning is the investment on your personal growth, on your personal development. Why church has to teach this? <clears throat> because you don't hear it anywhere else. <clears throat> Why church has to teach it, teach this? Because God is more interested in your personal development the same way he is interested in your spiritual growth. It's wrong to say that the only, it's wrong to say that only pray and read Bible, you will score very good mark in your examinations. And you will come up in your career. It's wrong to say that. And I'm, I believe most of you agree with me. Can you, are you, do you agree? Yes. It's wrong to say that God is interested only in your spiritual growth, not in your professional growth. Do you agree? It's, it's wrong to say that God is interested only in your spiritual growth, not in your professional growth, not in your career growth. It's wrong to say that. It's wrong to say that God doesn't care how much worldly knowledge and technical knowledge I have, but God cares only about the Bible knowledge. Is it wrong to say that? I'm thinking. Let me read that again. Let me do that again. It's wrong to say that God doesn't really care about how much worldly knowledge, how much technical knowledge I acquire. God cares only about how much Bible knowledge I have. No. God wants you to excel in your career. It's a myth to say that God gives gifts and talents to his children. You don't need to really do any hard work. You don't need to develop. God will just give you. Is it right to expect that way? Okay, let me do that again. You don't need to really put any hard effort. You don't need to really study hard. You don't need to acquire new skills. God will give you gifts and talents for his children anyway. It's a myth. It's not right. It's a myth to say that skills are born with, they cannot be developed. So it's wrong to say that. Nobody's a born leader. The leaders are developed. Nobody's a technically highly qualified computer engineer. Nobody was born with that skill. But it's all developed. It's all occurred over a period of time. Bible says, I want to turn your attention to Moses. Moses learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Can you read the scripture? Acts chapter 7 verse 22. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Look at the expectation of God. How you want to come up in your career. How God wants you to, wants you to come up. God, God, God is expecting you to come up in your life. Think about Joseph. Joseph learned all the administrative skills when he was working 
in the palace of Pharaoh. And he got enough administrative skills that he could successfully manage the food crisis over in Egypt. Think about Joshua. Learned all the skills from, the, from his leader Moses that he was able to lead the children of God in the wilderness. God wants us to develop ourselves. God wants us to excel in our job. God wants us to excel in our career. You know, sometimes we believers, at times we look that part very you know, very seldom we look into that, those areas. But God is very much interested. I will give you a scripture. Proverbs 22, 29. Can you read that with me? Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. You know, God doesn't want you to go and stand in front of people, hands folded and heads bowed down. That will happen to you if you do not do anything to develop your personality, to develop your, 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 your personal life. Develop your skills. If you don't do that, that's what we need to do. God wants you to bring up in your life, in your career. And this morning, I believe God is speaking to you. We are just going to close now. God wants us to have wisdom and understanding. I want you to read this, this, this words of wisdom right now, as you can see. Can you read that with me? Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. Shall we read that together? Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Can you keep reading? Can you continue? Verse 6. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will preserve you. Love wisdom, and she will keep you. Verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's a main thing. It's a base thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you are getting, get understanding. Exalt wisdom, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor where you embrace her. Verse 9. She will place you on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver you. Who? Wisdom. How do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom and knowledge and understanding? By developing yourself. You know, if we don't develop ourselves, eventually we lose. And eventually we become fools. And we settle down for low things. God wants us to invest in your personal growth. You need to invest your time. You need to invest your effort. Invest your money in personal growth. Tell you the truth before we close. Today, Christians are losing everywhere simply because they don't take steps to develop themselves. They don't take steps to develop themselves Churches, they don't teach about this. And they settle down. The highest positions in corporates today, the highest positions in governments are taken from the hands of Christians. I'm not saying that only Christian has to be there. But why we are not there? It, anybody can rule the nation. And as long as they are leadership, we obey to their leadership, we honor them. But what I'm saying right now is, where are we? Where is our presence? What has gone wrong with us? Simply because we stop learning. We start doing things and we will never get back to learning. We think that it's all done. It's all done. God is very particular about those areas in your life. We become spiritual and we settle down for low-hanging fruits. 
And that's the truth I see in front of my eyes. We all see. We become too spiritual and we come to a conclusion saying, ah, this is enough for me. God has a plan, amazing plan for you. But you walk away from God and saying that you are highly spiritual. I don't think God is honored. God is pleased with that. We spiritualize everything. And we don't focus on self-growth. This morning God is speaking to us. Today we need to balance our lives. Recently a month before, there's a reason why I'm saying this. Recently a month before I started my personal growth journey. It's going to be a lifelong learning. It's going to be a lifelong learning. And training and coaching. I, will, I want to share that with you. I want to take you as far as it's possible. I want to take you along with me in this journey. We are all here to learn. We are all here to develop ourselves. We are all here to come up in our life, in our career, in a very blessed way. Do not settle down for the low-hanging fruits. Do not settle down for what you have right now. When you invest in you, you become a blessing for many. Today, you are not able to bless others because you don't have. When you invest in your life, your investment multiplies so that you can bless many people. The action here. Next slide. Are you willing towards your personal growth and personal development? Shall we all just arise this morning as we close? I just want to quickly summarize. We talked about three different principles from the miracle that Jesus performed on the day. Number one, principle number one, no better time than the present. The question is, are you willing to act now? Principle number two, something is better than nothing. Find out that something that you have in your hands. Find out the rod. Find out the jar of oil. Find out what you have in your life, in your hands. And I believe God is up to something in your life. He wants you to bring that to him so that he can bless that and he can multiply. Find out that something. There is so much is already invested in your life. You know many things. What do you have in your hand? It may be just more than enough for you to start your own business. It may be just for you enough, enough for to apply for another job. It may be just enough for you to improve, develop your career. It may be something that you have in your hands. Finally, it's better to give than to keep. Are you willing to invest in your own life this morning? Just shall we just close our eyes and pray to God this morning?